1: Hello, welcome to The Curator Podcast, this is episode 35. Welcome once again dear listener to the Curator Podcast. I am your host Mark Fraser and this is episode number 35. A little bit late again this episode, I do apologise profusely for that. A lot of interviews seem to be coming through on Thursdays at the moment, which is a bit of a bummer really because this, this podcast is supposed to go out on Thursday. But I guess that probably says more about my preparedness for booking interviews as opposed to the day on which they fall. I should probably have some... And i using the tank ready to go as opposed to just doing one on the day of the podcast. But, you know, I'm not perfect. And you guys know that, hopefully. So, yeah, I will hopefully be back to a regular schedule. Well, not a regular schedule. but hopefully go back to Thursdays as of the following episode. But I don't know. It's okay. I think it's all right. I mean, if you guys don't like this, if you guys are feeling like... If it annoys you that it's late, then please let me know. It does annoy me when podcasts I like are late. But... I'm a weirdo So I mean You guys might be okay with it Or you might not Either way I'd like to know On this episode I have an interview A really great interview With one of my favourite songwriters right now Is Alison Weiss Now Alison is Such a cool person man Like I always get a bit Weird Going on interviews Because I don't know I get You get nervous Do you know what I mean And and it goes the same for everyone When I talk to them I still get nervous I guess that's a good sign But Alison was just really accommodating and she was super fun to chat to and I really enjoyed talking to her. So hopefully that comes across in the interview and it's not too awkward or anything like that for you because, hey, I enjoyed it. I also enjoyed being back in the King Tut's green room. I haven't been in there for a long, long time and it's just as small as I remember. But um, it's not a bad thing. It was pretty cool, actually. So I'm going to... Dive right into this. There's a bit of a weird noise in the background, which I tried to erase, but I couldn't. I think it's like an air conditioner or something like that. So if you hear that, I guess just deal with it. It's not that invasive, but it's cool. Once again, I didn't use my handheld mic, I just kind of put used the mic on the recorder. So it gives it a much more conversational flow, which I like. There's something really restricting about having to shove a microphone in someone's face whenever you ask them a question. So it's good to not do that sometimes. And yeah, I think it makes uh, the interview The quality of the interview much better I also apologise for having a slightly scratchy throat I was recording some vocals with my band Over the weekend there And I think, I, I think I've think i damaged it in some way Hopefully it's not permanent But I don't know man If it is then That's some bad crack Anyway, I'm going to open up this interview now With one of my favourite songs by Alison It's called Wait For Me It's from her album Say What You Mean And I hope you enjoy it <laughs>
2: I feel so alive. I'm packing my suitcase and changing my mind. I forgot what it's like to look at things you want right between the eyes. It's never been so hard to say goodbye. I'm back to the basics and waiting for signs, praying for patience, falling behind the way I'm meant to be. It's just how I'm designed. I get so tired of running out of time. I'm missing out on all the places I could go. The people I could know. The nights are so not alone. We'll never make it. In. It wasn't meant For something far away, and I guess that it's pointless, but I mean what I say. I never expected through all the this- feel so alive. I'm packing my suitcase and changing my mind. I forgot what it's like to look at the things you want right between the eyes. Say goodbye.
1: Awesome. we're here in King Touch, how are you doing?
3: Doing great.
1: Is it, I guess the the question everybody starts off with is, how's it tour been so far? It's a total bullshit question, but I might as well start there. I
3: know. Well, <laughs> it's day three, um, and so far we're having a blast. All the shows have been great, all two of them. You know, it's always a short run when we come over here, because the country is really small, but we kind of love it, because... Touring in the U.S., you're used to driving like four or five hours at least every day, or sometimes pulling like a ten-hour drive before a show. So, over here, it's really nice to just have like an hour or two between every city.
1: Until you go to until you go to Europe, then it's the same. Yeah, then the, it's the great, awful. It's like drives, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
3: but this one's just a UK tour.
1: It's gonna. I think um, I've I've done the UK tour myself before, so it's, it's, it's all right. I'd love to go to America, though. I think. Oh yeah, that'd be great. But I seen a thing recently about. um Hell a visa for a band cost like like something crazy like $20,000 holy shit from here to go over there
3: I heard it's really hard to go into the states yeah and that's such a bummer because for us it's just you know our visas come with the contracts for the shows so yeah. all it, it's it still feels really expensive but it's just plane tickets but yeah I heard um, the US makes it really hard for foreign bands to come in
1: I've got a couple of friends that went over and played things like CMJ and all that and, oh, yeah. and fest and They've just went over with a tourist visa and then, like, borrowed instruments when, mm. when they were there. See,
3: that's dangerous, though, because yeah, if they like find out, they'll, exactly. like, kick you out forever. Somebody,
1: somebody once told me that uh, one of the security, one of the guys in the, in the border control, it actually Googled the guy's name before yeah. he was on tour. I was like, holy shit, that's sledge. Like, yeah. crazy.
3: Yeah, that's like, uh, like, in the earlier days before I was, you know, doing shows where there was an actual promoter and there was, like, contracts involved and, like, music business stuff. um when i would go and play canada it would always be like just don't don't tell them you're playing music and try and cross the border but then google happened <laughs> and like when you're like me and your band name is the same as your yeah. real name it's so easy for them to google and find you and then just like ban you from the country for 5 years which i've known people who's th- who that's happened to wow so they're so- like i'm just you know, a tourist who happened to bring <laughs> bring my guitar, and then the border agent googles their name and sees all the tour dates.
1: So is it the same? So it's the same trying to get out of the U.S. like to Canada? Then is it the same kind of? Yeah, yeah.
3: Canada. Yeah, you have to have the you know the proper paperwork, or they'll turn you back around and ban you from the country.
1: Man, I, I like the sound of going to Canada as well. I'd like to go there.
3: Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I need to rethink that. What? I might need to rethink that. Yeah,
3: <laughs> it's not easy. It's a bummer how not easy it is. I wish there was some sort of like. Musician visa that was like easier because you're not really going to work. I yeah. mean, you are going to work, but it's not like you're going to go get a job and work <laughs> in the country, and then
1: no one's going to make any money.
3: Yeah, right.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, um, one of the things I was I was doing some research on you because I, I like to do research. This
2: that's good. That's, that's,
1: that's what you have to do, and uh, it's kind of daunting because kind of daunting, I guess, is because you've done a lot of interviews. Yeah. So it's really hard to find find a new angle.
2: Uh huh. Right.
1: <laughs> but what makes it doubly scary, I guess, is that you also don't interview yourself.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. You are you talking about the ones where I interviewed my uh, like producer and, yeah, and uh-huh. fanmates about the yeah. record? Yeah.
1: Which I guess it led me to wonder, like, who would be like your? What would be your ideal interview to do? Like yourself. Ooh.
3: I feel like um, I would love to interview. Uh, this soccer player for the U.S. women's team, her name's Megan Rapinoe, oh, yeah. um, football player, sorry, <laughs> but I just got into football, real football, not American football, through um, the U.S. women's team, who just won the World Cup, and so a chance to interview any of those players would be cool, because as a musician, it's like interviewing other musicians, I don't know, it's not as fun, I feel like, as like somebody who's doing something completely different yeah. than what I'm doing.
1: That sounds like it'd be pretty awesome.
3: Yeah, either that or some, you know, awesome comedian. Like I have a, a favorite comedian of mine, his name's Pete Holmes. It'd be cool to interview him.
1: I don't, I don't think I've heard of him.
3: He's real real goofy, but really <laughs> funny.
1: For me it'd be Prince.
3: Oh yeah. Like. Dude, who doesn't I would I wouldn't want to interview Prince because I would be terrified. Yeah. I feel like he'd just like you'd ask him something he'd be like, No. Just <laughs> pass. Not a good enough question.
1: Did that thing before he released his new album, he, interviewed some, he asked like five press people to come to, the of, to, to Paisley Park and he played the piano and you sat and asked him questions and you can't record what you're saying, you're not allowed to. Oh. And, uh, this, this guy was work, working for The Guardian in the UK and he asked him to go up and sing um, Sign of the Times. He was like, "No,
2: are you crazy? <laughs> oh my god,
1: <laughs> you're Prince. <laughs> I'm not going to sing next to you." <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's awesome.
1: It's, it's weird as fuck, man. Um, uh, I was reading something that I've usually done recently because, like I said, there's some research, and I, this, this might not be an accurate quote, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. Sure. It says you said apparently that you like to thrive on productivity. Yeah. Is that, is that, is that accurate? Yeah.
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm def, I'm. The kind of person where if I'm sitting around doing nothing, I'm wondering what I could be doing instead. It's just, I don't know. I like to keep busy. Which
1: is really interesting because I'm, I'm much the same. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you think that comes from?
3: I don't know. I, honestly, I feel like it's maybe nurture or nature. My parents are very similar. My dad's like the kind of guy who's just like always doing stuff and always getting into things and. That said, they they know how to party and chill as well as anybody else. But I don't know. I just uh, I like I like getting things done.
1: Is that why you do like so many different things, like graphic design and all that? And
3: oh yeah, definitely. Yeah.
1: Because um, that's like almost like a poly an, artist, an artistic polymath. I guess. Yeah. And just get fingers on so many pies, sort of thing. Yeah, know? yeah, totally.
3: <laughs> well, I felt like um, I recently moved from Brooklyn to LA, and that was sort of like an effort to teach myself how to just relax and do nothing more because right. there was you know I've always been so like involved in so many things and in Brooklyn it was just like you know I do design and music and I'm just like constantly working and I feel like it really started to wear me down and started mm. to like take its toll so now I actively try and like force myself to just take those like do nothing moments you know.
1: So so I guess as moving made it easier to kind of unwind things?
3: Yeah, LA has a real chill vibe. New York is very like hustle and bustle and like be out there on the grind. Whereas people in LA are just like a little more relaxed about everything.
1: This is like the kind of place I would dislike because I don't like to be too relaxed and turned off. Like Yeah. Uh, like one of the good things about living in Glasgow is there's always something happening, you know? Yeah,
3: it's, yeah. It's, it's, yeah.
1: It's, cool. it's really cool. You know? Yeah. Um, but sometimes, yeah, I think my girlfriend probably wishes I would switch off.
3: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know. yeah. That's the thing. I was always like on my phone, or like uh, just like it was impossible to turn my brain off and not be like thinking about what the next step was. But I think it's really good, at least for me, to you know take a second in the morning, even if it's just like. 10 minutes to just like have a coffee and look out the window yeah. you know what I mean because
1: whenever I'm with my girlfriend I make a conscious effort to not look at my phone or anything and just like just, that's good. Dr- just try and be chill that's but a good way to
3: keep your girlfriend
1: it's itchy though you feel, I feel itchy right you know what I mean like, but doesn't
3: that make you nervous that that you are so addicted to your phone that yeah, you're like, like this where is it where is it where is it it's so sad <laughs> yeah I know it is sad
1: just staring at screens all day long uh-huh. Uh huh. I once
3: read an Onion article that was like would you guys are you familiar with the Onion yeah, over here yeah, yeah that Onion. was like um, it was like study shows that human beings spend 8 to 10 hours a day looking at glowing rectangles
1: <laughs> that's definitely true yeah. <laughs> yeah I think from the second I wake up I'm looking at one until I go to bed like right? literally all day I just
3: love them calling them glowing rectangles because <laughs> it sounds so creepy when it's like you're just looking at a glowing rectangle. Yeah, it's it's
1: almost it's almost like invasive. It's yeah, like, It's like staring back at you as well. Which yeah, yeah. Kind of creepy. Yeah, um, yeah. so as a, as, a, as someone that's as a songwriter, I find songwriting to be a very intensive process. Intense? And intensive, but intense. Yeah. <laughs> intense <laughs> process. And you've put like, quite a lot of stuff over the years. Um, so I'm kind of wondering, when you finish a song or a project, do you still get the same feeling you used to get when you first started?
3: Oh, yeah, definitely. It's like... I don't know There's I mean You say you're a songwriter yourself So you You understand It's like It's like this Inexplicable feeling When you've Figured out Like the right melody And the right words And you've like Just finished a song And it's like This neat little package And you're like Oh yeah It's like this I don't know It's like a Cool little creation That you just made And so it results In like this It's a very exciting feeling To finish a song Because like Sometimes the process Of writing a song Can be so Intense And like Painful, whether it be like emotionally or just because you're like, oh god, I want to finish this fucking thing. Um, so when it all like it, it, every I feel like every time it all falls into place and I finish a song, it feels like something magic happened, like it was out there in the universe, and I like pulled it down and put it on a page.
1: I, I always feel like it's a fight, like I'm fighting with myself, yeah. I find like I, I, I don't know about you, but I actually find songwriting a very like. Not just exhausting, but like frustrating. Like it it winds me up so much. Like Mm -hmm. I I get so angry at the fact that nothing, unlike what you just said, nothing I ever do that I've ever written or finished ever feels like it it's finished
3: oh man so you're like the opposite
1: yeah, yeah. so but the, the process in the middle seems like it's kind of the same though. yeah
3: definitely you know
1: what I mean like, yeah yeah. it's, it's weird I, I don't like I don't like doing it but I also have to do it yeah you know and that's mm-hmm. it, feels, it feels like I've got a big chain in my neck like.
3: oh man you're like one of those uh, um, what do you call it like a suffering artist you're like I have no control. I have to write songs.
1: I think I have too much control. And just, just like, Man, yeah. yeah. It's, just, it's just, just just take it away from me. Just yeah. Abandon it. Yeah. Get it out of the way. It's gone. Um, over the years, has that process changed?
3: Um, yeah, I definitely like my my songwriting when I was younger and on earlier records was much more like very like fueled by things that were happening in the moment or like emotional bursts of energy. Um, which I think that just, like, because of the way life works out, you, like, grow up and you, like, learn to deal with your emotions better, hopefully. Um, and situations change. Like, I'm engaged now, and I write breakup songs just because, mm-hmm. like, that's what I love to write songs about, even though in my daily life I'm in a totally happy, wonderful relationship. Um, so now, for me, it's less, like, what what's happening to me right now that I need to write about and more, like... I like to, you know, look back on my past and things that I have experienced and, you know, dissect them and try mm-hmm. and, like, come up with new ways to write about the same thing over and over again.
1: <laughs> I was once told by a therapist no the less, that the reason that a lot of people keep coming back to those, like, breakup songs is because mm-hmm. the, the emotions are so intense and so easily accessible. Oh, yeah. You know, even even if you're happy, like, there's still, for some reason, that, even though that wound is closed, it actually feels kind of cathartic to reopen it again and ex- explore
3: absolutely yeah and it's such a universal emotion yet at the same time when you're in it you feel like no one else in the world understands what you're feeling Mm -hmm. so it's it's a special time (laughs)
1: it's a special kind of torture yeah exactly
2: (laughs) kind of torture
1: yeah Um, I don't know like I guess it's a good a good thing to maybe go into what this podcast is actually about Um, so the podcast in itself is about creativity and passion and uh Obviously, with a lot of the stuff that you've done, it's your music is quite passionate, as, mm-hmm. you've, as you've just just explained. Um, but obviously, creativity is a huge part of. Like, I speak a little bit about it. that's fact. What I've just said is probably the most I've ever spoken about creativity on my own part. Oh yeah, And yeah, in any interview I've done, um, because I find it really interesting, I find people's creative processes like infinitely more interesting than than anything else, really. Um, but I wonder, like, when did you first realize that you were a creative person?
3: I have always been doing, like, artistic things ever since I can remember. Um, I don't know, as soon as I was a, you know, I was the kid who was always drawing things and making things and, you know, like, building things out of clay or whatever, so as a, as a young kid, for me, it was all about, like, visual art and, like, creating things and... Um, I used to make little movies and stuff like that. It wasn't until high school that I got into music and then found that that was like the number one creative outlet for me. But yeah, I've just, I feel like I was just born the type of person who wants to make stuff.
1: What was the discovery of music like when it happened?
3: Well, I grew up in a very musical household. My dad played and had a lot of instruments around, so I was always like aware of it. It was always like around me. I just, and I. I played piano when I was a kid Because my dad gave me lessons But it wasn't a thing that I was like um, Personally invested in yet It was just like, yeah, whatever My dad plays music and I can play piano Blah, blah, blah But then when, um, you know, I got into high school And I started having things that I wanted to say And like songs that I wanted to write I picked up a guitar and started playing myself And I don't even know how to describe what it was like It was just like it was, it was like it, w- it was always meant to happen, I guess, you know? It wasn't, it didn't have to, it didn't feel forced or anything like that. It was just like, now I play guitar, this is what I do. This is what I'm going to do forever, you know?
1: It's interesting that, because you grew up in such a musical household, that, that was the architecture of your life was already kind of, like, obviously instilled in you that, that knowledge, I guess, mm-hmm. of, of music, even if it was, like, subliminal, mm-hmm.
2: you know? Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, It's it's like the complete opposite to a lot of other people. I think a lot of you don't don't really have that. But do you think that does that? Do you think that makes you different from other songwriters in in some ways? I don't know. Never really thought about
2: it. No. Yeah,
3: I've never really thought about it. Um, I, you know, because I know people who have come from both sides of the coin. Somebody whose parents were songwriters, or their grandparents were, and it's just like been a thing that their family has done. Mm Um, And I know people who are the only musical member of their family Or, you know, the first one to ever sing a song or Mm -hmm. have any sort of musical ability So, um, and I don't really think, I feel like uh, it doesn't I don't know that it it sets me apart too much Uh to be like on the side where I'm from a musical family
1: Do you think that being from a musical family is is one of the reasons why you're a solo artist? Why I'm what? A solo artist
3: Maybe I, but that probably has more to do with you know being OCD as hell, and yeah. <laughs> a control freak, <laughs> and being. Um, I've never been in a band where I wasn't the one who was completely in control. Uh-huh. So it's almost like I don't know what that says about me, but <laughs> I like to be the one in charge. I guess. I think
1: that's cool. Like um, I don't think there's, any, there's obviously no right way of doing it. You know. Like, you, yeah. just, you just do whatever you feel, like, whatever you feel is right. Yeah. Um, but I'm on the opposite. Like yeah. Although I like to be in control of the, the businessy aspect of it, just mm-hmm. because I don't trust anyone else to do it. Yeah. The musical side is, I, I can't wait until it's, we're in the room together doing it all at the same time. Yeah,
3: collaboration is really fun. I just started, like, in the past couple of years, writing more songs with friends. Like my friend Jenny Owen Youngs, who's yeah. playing tonight as well, um, she co-wrote a couple songs on my new record. And that's the first time I've ever had any songs on a record that weren't just 100% all me, all mine. Um, and I love it, it's really... It's really nice. Um, I feel like collaborating with other songwriters helps me become a better songwriter myself.
1: What was it like coming into that collaboration process when you first... Was it, was it kind of nervy or was it kind of...
3: It's kind of weird at first. She wasn't the first person I ever co-wrote with, but definitely like learning to write with another person is... It's nerve-wracking when you just get into it because, you know, you, for... 25 years of my life writing music was this like really personal thing and I wouldn't share it with anybody until I was like confident that it was done and ready to be heard but like being in a room with somebody else and bouncing ideas off of each other you sort of have to just like get over all that stuff get over the ego of it and like not be afraid to say something stupid and that's like sort of my the way I look at it when I go into it and you know if I whenever I'm writing with somebody I'll say that at the beginning I'm like just so you know I have like a you, like a policy where you have to say everything even if you think it's dumb because like my shitty idea for a lyric might make you think of the perfect idea for a lyric and that's what collaborations all about yeah. so I think it's just like say say everything and anything and any idea and let's get all the dumb ideas out and up with which one is the best.
1: You have a saying, in, a, in one of the bands I'm in, we have the saying that song is king. It's whatever, whatever serves the music.
3: Song is king. The song
1: is king. You yeah, know, whatever absolutely. Whatever's you. best for the yeah. song.
3: That I feel that way too. It's like it's all about whatever's best for the song. Whether you're talking about the lyrics or the melody or the way it's going to be produced.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, or the arrangement, I guess. Is yeah,
3: yeah, most, totally, totally. The
1: most important parts of it. Um, I've just asked that question. I'll move on to the next one, um So Side One Dummy Man Yeah That's that's cute as fuck I love that label
3: I love them They're so great They're so So supportive And just excited About everything And it's like I feel like Not everybody can say That their label Rules so hard Like most (laughs) people I think Have gripes about The record labels That they're on Um, But I just love Side One They're, They're just It's like I don't know they just get me. They just understand what I want to do, and they're down, and, like, I could call them up at, like, 3 in the morning and be like, I have a crazy idea, and then the next day they'd be like, let's do this, you know? So it's really, really fun to be on the world. That's really ace
1: to have that support as an artist. Yeah,
3: it's so great. It's, it's so beats, you know, yeah, you could be on a major label and have huge budgets, but, like, I would much rather be on, like, a label like Side 1 where, you know, they're, like, a bigger, they're bigger in the punk scene but they still operate like a DIY indie indie label, you know? Yeah, they have an office in Hollywood and like a staff and all that sort of stuff, but like I don't know, they feel like a little punk label even though they're they're bigger.
1: Was that a no-brainer then when they came columns? Like, yes, straight away.
3: Yeah, totally. They had been we had been like pals ever since my the previous record came out. See what you mean? Um and the publicist That side one Her name's Jamie Coletta She's always been Like such a champion Of my songs And you know She was always Putting them on mixtapes And telling people about them Even though I wasn't Even on that label um, And mm-hmm. so then When I was looking For a new label They were immediately Like hands in the air Like Ah oh, we'd like to put it out We'd <laughs> like to put it out And yeah It was just It was like Duh
1: <laughs> um, So I guess You are a full time musician that is, that is what you do mm-hmm. Um going on a label like Side One Dummy is that like is that in your mind is that does that qualify success?
3: Um yeah I mean I think being able to pay my rent by doing what I love qualifies as success um which I can pretty much do so (laughs) yeah I think that everybody's got you know different levels of like what is the thing that is successful but I feel I totally feel successful you know I feel like I'm in fucking Scotland right now um, Getting ready to play a show That's probably going to have A good amount of people at yeah. it Like how crazy is that That like I can come over here And play shows And like people from A whole other country A whole other part of the world Are singing my songs back at me Like that's incredible That's just like An incomparable feeling
1: When you were When you first started out Did you ever imagine Did you ever imagine This was going to happen You'd be sitting here Talking to an idiot like me
3: Oh I do. Well I dreamed about it But I didn't you know you never know, You when you're a kid, you're just like, you see, because I, you know, I went to a lot of shows when I was younger, um, and the bands that I would see were like, like gods on stage, and I was like, oh, this is so crazy, how do they do this? And now I'm like, in that world, and I'm like, oh man, they were just, you know, kids in their 20s, like I am now. This is so nuts, I can't believe that I'm that I'm here doing the thing that I used to like, look up to and... ...and freak out about as a kid.
1: Can you remember the moment when you realized you'd become one of those people?
3: I think... You know... It may have been when I started working with my manager, Joe Morrow... ...who who plays guitar in the band the early November... ...and that was sort of like a full circle thing for me... ...because when I was 16 or 17 and just like playing music for fun in college... I got to open for them at a college show, and I was so excited about it because they were a band that I listened to as a kid and, like, would see as a kid, and I was like, oh, I can't believe I get to open for them in November. And then cut to, like, five years later, and now he's managing me, and, like, I, I'm, i like, you know, friends with bands that I used to look up to and go to their shows, and I guess that's when I sort of was like, oh, shit, this is, when my when my last record came out, Say What You Mean, and I was suddenly, like, in that AP scene you know when I used to go to the bookstore and pick up AP magazine and read about all my favourite bands and then suddenly I was in AP magazine and it was like one of the hundred bands to watch and I was like oh this is awesome
1: I'm, I'm here I've arrived yeah <laughs> yeah
3: right
1: that's awesome yeah I, I, I love hearing that kind of thing man because a, a lot of bands it's it's, it's never a post it's never like a defining line it's always like you kind of one day you, you think about something you're like oh holy shit I'm I'm here now like yeah. when did that happen
3: yeah right <laughs> yeah
1: uh, yeah, it's cool, man. Like, hopefully that'll happen when they, Yeah. Know. So uh, the new album is awesome.
3: Thank you. Yeah,
1: uh, I was getting some Cure vibes from it. Yeah. Is that is that? That
3: feels good. That? I like that. Yeah.
1: Is that, so that that was. Uh, I didn't know that was going to be in there because sometimes, like, you can say to someone is about to, to go, you know. No. Yeah. Definitely.
3: definitely. <laughs> I've I've like I love the Cure definitely for sure and that whole sort of like era of like new wave '80s stuff. Um, and I've always wanted to incorporate more of that As well as like current pop styles into my own music And so that's what I did on New Love
1: Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't really expecting it to be honest But when I heard it, I was like, man, that's really cool I'm
3: what? glad that you liked like it. it I'm glad I that like you liked it Because there's been a couple here and there are Like, oh, you know, I miss the acoustic stuff But like, I just, I love playing these songs This is my favorite record I've made And who knows what the next one will be like yeah. But, But for now, this is what I'm doing and I love it
1: Evolution evolutions obviously important to an artist. Yeah, definitely. And um, I guess do you ever get do you ever think about the times or are there any songs you don't play anymore because you feel as though they just don't represent who you are as an artist anymore?
3: Yeah, definitely. There's some older songs on like my first couple EPs and records that just it's it to me feels like a whole different person wrote those songs and so and it's a bummer when people really want to hear those. I need to figure out some way to play them. So that they still sound like me Like I, uh, a band I love called Degan and Sarah They have a, Deegan, Sarah. Yeah, Everyone knows Degan and Sarah <laughs> They have a um, I feel like a, a discography that is like that Where like their really early records Sound like a completely different band Than their most recent record But their fans love the early stuff so much That they can't not play it So they're really good at I feel like Sort of updating their older songs To fit within the the realm of the newer songs, so that's something I aspire to do for sure.
1: Well, thinking about that is—is is that is um, is that something that scares you? think about you may have to do that.
3: No, because I mean, even though the older songs feel like they're written by a different person, they're still me, and I still like them. It's just like it's more like a genre thing and an arrangement thing. Where I'm like, oh, if I did that today, I would have done something different with it. You know, so it's almost like um, like covering yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah yeah.
1: it kind of goes back to it's like, like you were talking about like, when you used to look at bands like the in November and they were like your idols I think that's what it comes back to for people as well it's like I really want you to play that song because I think a lot of the times people don't see their favourite artist as being human they see them as almost being almost like something more mm-hmm. does that make sense?
3: yeah definitely
1: and I guess that's, I think that's why a lot of people like I, I like it when artists evolve I enjoy going on that journey with them um, and I, I do find it a bit odd that some artists can can get away with it some can't like obviously boy Kids but mm-hmm. like, there's a lot of artists like, particularly punk bands that like, if you change your sound they're like "Well, oh, no yeah say because you've lost fans like,
3: it's a bummer yeah it's
1: just it's, does that ever play into anything that you do when you think about writing music
3: um it hasn't yet so that's good that's good yeah, that's yeah. the best way to be. yeah
1: definitely yeah so one of the things that I, I wanted to mention because uh, it was I don't know if you that I read a while ago, I think it was from a while ago now but um we should probably talk about marriage equality in America.
3: Talk about what? Marriage
1: equality in America.
3: Oh, marriage equality. Yeah,
1: because that's mind blowing to me.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
1: because it's like it's, it's we don't have that here. Like you we don't. Do, we, have we do it? have it here, but it's not an issue.
2: Oh, oh,
3: you mean marriage equality has always been? Yeah,
1: well, it's, it's, not, like, it's not always been, but... But like, it's, when, it was passed a long time yeah, ago. It's been
3: legal here for much longer than it has been in the United they decided
1: it had to happen, it happened.
2: Yeah, yeah, it <laughs> yeah. wasn't,
3: like, a whole giant issue. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm so glad that that is over with, at least from a legal standpoint. Of course, it's, like, now we're in the... Now we've entered the the part of it where probably for, like, the next five or ten years... Every time somebody has a problem with it, they're gonna try and get the law overturned, like the same way they are with abortion in America. You know, it's been legal since the seventies or eighties or something like that, but people are always trying to reverse it.
1: The but abortion I, thing as well—that's that's just scary to me. Like, I don't—I just don't understand why anybody would be against it. Really, Do you know? I know. It's, I know. It's a woman's choice. Like,
3: I know. It's to, it's so obvious to us, <laughs> but to the to the other side, they feel like they're thing is their
1: their opinion is the obvious choice, and that's where it's so, just, just like how can it not be obvious? Like, I just don't, I I can't wrap my head around it. Know. you
3: know, same here.
1: Um, but as, as someone, uh, does that does that play in your mind a lot? Like that they kind of a issue with quality and stuff like that. America, like, um, the acceptance of it, I guess. What do you mean? Like the acceptance of it from because obviously there's a lot of people that are opposed to it because of whatever bullshit views they hold. You know? Yeah. Is that is that something that does that add reality you need, you have to like? You have to confront On a daily basis
3: Um I think because I live in California Which is a pretty um, Liberal state Um It's not something That I really Because you know California Has It it was legal there For a while And then they overturned it And that's when The whole thing Started up again Um But You know It's only really When I'm on tour And I go to like The middle of the country Where I'm like (laughs) A little more nervous About Uh holding my fiance's hand In a random gas station In Uh Virginia Or something like that But um I, i'm always you know on the internet very uh outspoken about yeah. my views and that's why i
1: asked <laughs>
3: yeah absolutely so i guess yeah i guess it does affect my day-to-day life in that way because i feel like being like a quote-unquote public figure i i have like a sounding board and there's people who are listening and i feel like it's my responsibility to use that to to spread awareness and and help the kids who are like me that maybe don't have the luxury of coming out because yeah. they live in that small town in Virginia yeah. or whatever.
1: It's absolutely, I think it's absolutely required the people that people that have got you know public, I guess, knowledge, people know who they are, yeah. and they do take stands on things like that because without them then we're just going to go backwards.
3: Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: And really in parts of America it's already quite backwards it would seem.
3: Oh, it's yeah. so backwards in some <laughs> parts.
1: Um, but that's kind of feeds into another question. I've i like, had some trouble. Um, I've had a lot of trouble over the past this podcast. Has been going since June last year, and it's been really difficult for me to get women to come on the podcast. Oh yeah. At the start it was. It's now easier now that I've had some women on.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but a lot of things I've I have a I knowledge that I have is that well, I think it is probably quite right for a lot of women to be wary of talking to, to journalists because there's been a lot of stuff coming out recently about guys being quite misogynistic. You know, oh yeah. And, and as music journalists. Particularly in America, it would seem. Yeah. Um, and it, it makes me really sad that the sexism is still a huge thing. And it's mm-hmm. kind when it's supposed to be a liberal, pl- liberal place. I know. You know? Um, which has just made me go off on a weird tangent in my head there, which I'm going to mention. But speaking of being liberal, the whole thing where the Eagles of Death, Eagles of Death Metal singer talking about guns, did you see that?
3: No, I didn't see that. He
1: just, they just played, they played Paris recently again. Oh, wow. And uh, he then gave me an interview saying everybody needs to have guns.
3: Everybody Everybody needs needs to to have have guns.
1: guns. After that, everybody needs to have guns. And I'm like, man, come on, like, do you not understand the... That's that's why we've got this situation in the first place, man. That's awful. Yeah. Yeah. But nobody really understands, but being in the music industry, I guess those things are kind of... Those issues are more apparent than they are in, in real life. Does that make... Do you know what I
3: mean? You mean, like, the sexism issues? Yeah, yeah. Um... It's definitely a thing, well, for journalists, I feel like, um...
1: I think it's right to be wary, because, like, it's it's a a thing, it's a big thing. Like, girls in bands still not come up against sexism on a daily basis.
3: Yeah, it's just, women get written about in a different way than than guys get written about. Um, You know, whether it's something simple as being called a songstress, rather than a songwriter, Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, something where you like, um... Like I love Taylor Swift Talks about how People give her so much shit For writing breakup songs They're like Oh she's just a girl Writing breakup songs And just Taylor Swift With all her breakup songs again But every guy Everywhere writes breakup songs yeah. And no one gives any, Like No one gives John Mayer or, sh- or Ed Sheeran shit About yeah. writing like Their breakup songs But when Taylor Swift Does it Everyone's like Oh another breakup song From Taylor Swift Like why aren't people Questioning the dudes And saying Who's this about Who's that about Um so, yeah, it can definitely be frustrating because it's, like... Um, and and people think of it as, like, a talking point, too. Like, ooh, a girl musician. It's crazy. <laughs> a girl musician.
1: I can't believe those going to musicians, man. Like, when, when did that happen? <laughs> I
3: know, right? And I know that... Um, um, uh, Lauren, I think her name is, from Churches, oh, yeah, yeah. who's from here, uh-huh. she's very... Outspoken on the internet about sexism in the industry because I know she experiences a lot of it because she's a bigger band and the bigger you are, the more trolls you have on the internet and especially because you know I, I feel like too when you're more feminine and you like you're when you're an attractive girl you like can't, like no one takes you seriously and it sucks. Mm
1: she I don't know if you know but she um, was responsible for setting up a a feminist musical arts collective in Glasgow called TYCI cool she started up when she was in university before churches and they are
3: I knew about that she's like she's always been involved in the punk scene yeah yeah. and churches is is just like this awesome fun electronica project yeah I
1: mean it's it's great to see that kind of thing I was actually um, today I was actually at a a charity event um, and there was a sort of YWCA stand Mm -hmm. there I was talking to them about it, and they were all wearing t shirts, which, uh, like, obviously, it's all, they're all about, like, uh, not just empowering young women, but, like, uh, sort of dealing with the issues that they come up to on a daily basis, and also trying to get them into work and the houses and all that, if they're facing, you know, issues with that kind of thing. And they were all wearing different t shirts, which said, like, quotes in the back, like, all they ever asked me is, like, when are you going to get a boyfriend? Oh my
3: and God. stuff like
1: that, you know, and uh, when I just seen that in the back of that t shirt, even though, like, obviously, like, I, I came from a single parent family, so, like, I've, I've seen i kind of seen it, a bit of it, like, from a governmental level as well, you know? Yeah. And just seeing that, I just kind of, ham- I think that was probably the whole point. It hammers home the point is, like, it's still such a, like, even though it doesn't really affect my life so much, because I've always treated everybody equal, because that's where mm-hmm. I was brought up, but it's still such a big thing, and yeah. it blows my mind every single time I come across it. I'm like, oh, well, how can you hold such draconian views, you know? It's, it's scary, and then, especially with the music industry as well, like... Yeah it blows my mind that I, can't, I can't get
3: it I mean I've had friends who were on you know women who were on tour with other bands full of guys where the guys will like just you know, call them, like, sweetie and honey all the time. Or, like, I had somebody who even said a guy in the other band, like, smacked her butt while she was walking by. And she turns around and she's like, don't ever do that again. And his response is something like, whoa, calm down, honey. You know, and it's just, like, the fact that that is still happening is insane to me. And, I, you know, I feel like um, I've I've not experienced that sort of thing. Maybe it's because I'm, like, a more androgynous-presenting, you know, gay woman but you know not you it's you can't tell girls to not you know wear what they want to wear like i like the whole thing where especially in america rape culture where it's like well she shouldn't have been wearing that short skirt or she shouldn't have been out late at night rather than saying hey guys don't just don't rape people you know what i mean like i love there's somebody made something where because there's always like when you grow up as a woman um you're always being told, like, make sure you don't... Like, how to prevent rape. Don't go out late at night by yourself. Don't wear skimpy clothing in public. Make, always keep an eye on your drink, etc., cetera, et, cetera, et cetera. Somebody made, like, a mock one of those, where it was like, how to prevent rape. And it just said, if you see a woman out on the street, don't rape her. <laughs> if you see a woman drunk in a bar, don't rape her. If, you know? So I just think that's really funny, because it's like women are always taught to, like, be on guard against predators when really it's you
1: predatory know. culture as opposed to yeah exactly Yeah, yeah. And I, I suppose that's that's the best way to put it like, yeah. I can't there's nothing else I can really add to that it's, yeah. it, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things like it, it just to think that if I had a daughter like I would have to like she'd have to come across she'd have to come up against something like that in this, in this modern world yeah I mean like that's to me that's that's probably the most terrifying things I could ever imagine yeah you know? and uh
3: well, you know, as a dad who, like, understands feminism um, and in that whole concept, I feel like if you had a daughter, she would grow up with, you know, the tools that she needed to understand that those things aren't okay. Because there are so many women, too, who don't understand it. And, you know, there's this whole ridiculous movement on the internet that's like, I don't need feminism. Yeah, I've seen not, yeah. And it's... It's it's like th- It's like those women Are a victim of the culture Because they They're just accepting it You know It's like they're like Just ignorant to the To what's happening yeah. All around them And it's the
1: that sad The idea is Of course like If it wasn't for feminism You wouldn't be able to say
3: Yeah right like, Come on You there. don't need feminism Feminism is yeah. like Why you can do simple things Like wear <laughs> pants And not a dress yeah. You know what I mean Or like ha- Go to school And have a job And you know, do something besides work for your husband.
1: <laughs> yeah. Is there anything else you want to say or anything you want to ask me before we finish?
3: Um gosh, we've covered so many things.
1: You have? Yeah. I'm just trying to make it not boring. It's,
3: it's, oh no, it's, it's not boring. <laughs> we had the fun and then we had like the the is. intense serious political part yeah. at the end. But you know, we're we're like sitting here
1: each of us preaching to the choir. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll hopefully the choir are listening. Yeah, <laughs> let's hope. <laughs> well, listen, it's been a total pleasure. Thank you very much for talking Yeah,
3: thank you. thank
0: you so much. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All
1: of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.
0: Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get fifteen percent off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details.
1: That was a really good interview. I had so much fun talking to her. She was just she's just a super intelligent and very, very cool, relaxed person, and that's that's good. You want to hear that i mean that, that makes conversation much easier you know when someone's relaxed in an interview sometimes you go in an interview and people can be a little bit guarded but awesome was, was pretty cool so yeah enjoyed that i hope you enjoyed it too I, I get a bit wary about talking about feminism because it's really difficult for me to understand what it's like to to experience life as a woman the the trials and all this, stuff, all this stuff that they have to go through and all the stuff that they have went through, you know, and come up against sexism on a daily basis. I mean, I see it. I don't know how I'd deal with that if I was a woman. So when I, when I talk about it, I feel a little bit awkward. Like, I kind of feel as though it's not my place to talk about it. But on the other hand, I feel as though it's important to talk about it because it's something I passionately believe in. I passionately believe in equality. That was the way I was brought up. My mum my mom brought me up to, to believe that everyone was equal and everyone deserves the same thing you know does deserve the same chance in life and I've always believed that yet whenever I talk to a woman about feminism even my girlfriend I, I find it really difficult because I feel as though I'm, I'm I feel as though I'm an imposter almost does that make sense I hope it does so I hope when I spoke about that towards the end of this interview it wasn't too awkward maybe I'm just overthinking it I don't know it's possible Anyway, thanks to Alison for talking to me. Thanks to Summers for sorting that out for me too. Um, Going to play you out now with another Alison Weiss track from our new album, which is called New Love. If you get a second, please rate and review the podcast on iTunes. We'd really appreciate that. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter. That's The Curator Pod or, you know, whatever. Let's have a chat. I love talking to people. It's awesome. And if you can share this podcast with your friends, then please do. If you enjoyed it, please share it. So yeah, going to play you out now. Like I said, one more song. This song is from her album New Love and it's called The Same. It's a last track on it. I think it's a total banger. So yeah, enjoy it. Until next time, bye-bye.
2: This bad.